Miracy. You have to continuously be building the case that you are the right person, that you are capable of getting the result, that you will get the result, and that you were uniquely suited to help a certain segment of the market. You need to be making that case all year round. Hello, and welcome to Blowing Up, the podcast that shows entrepreneurs like you how other businesses exploded in the best possible way. I'm Linda Claire Puig, the founder and CEO of Six Figure Newsletters, and I'm here with my co-host Ari Eni, the head of strategy for the ACES Business Acceleration Program at Miracy. Hey there, Linda. In each episode of Blowing Up, we showcase an entrepreneur whose business, yes, blew up. It experienced what seemed to be a sudden success, but as we all know, that kind of success is not random or a fluke. The company employed a specific strategy that caused its rapid rise in revenue. So today we're going to dive into that strategy so that you can learn from it and determine how you might apply elements of it to your business. In this episode, we look at the slightly radical notion that you can blow your business up without having to do big, energy-sucking, time-consuming, nervous-making launches two or three times a year. With this strategy, you are essentially open all year. Our guest is Ross O'Loughlin, an engineer turned copywriter, turned conversion expert, turned marketing coach, and founder of the company Conversion Engineer. He's best known for developing a proprietary system that helps education entrepreneurs and course creators sell without the launch model. Welcome to Ross. Let's jump right into that conversation. I help folks who have some sort of wisdom or expertise who want to share it online, get more students into their courses and programs without having to do all the, you know, typical internet marketing kind of launches and fake countdown timers. Wait, no launches? No, no, no launches. That's the part that we stand on. Don't get me wrong. Launches are awesome. Like I love launches here and there, but as a general strategy, like it's not for everybody. Some businesses make it work phenomenally well, but some of my clients absolutely despise it like once or twice a year, big coordinated campaign where you're doing like a month's worth of pre-launch content and then it's a hyper-intensive promotional period and then you're exhausted and burnt out and need to recover after that for like a month. That's the cycle that a lot of my clients go through that they want to move away from. I find that a lot of people who are new-ish in their online businesses, even the notion of doing a launch for their business, they can't even imagine it. So it feels out of reach for them already. So what you're saying is you don't even have to envision yourself launching. You don't even have to reach for the launch. You can do other things. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, for sure. Like launches are super intimidating. If you've never launched anything, it's intimidating because there's a lot of moving parts, right? You have no idea what's going on. Like you're just kind of following someone's instruction. And then at the same time, you have to like create the product. And what if people don't come in? Another really intimidating part is what if no one comes in? What if I do this and I get totally rejected, right? Like there's all this emotional stress that comes along with that journey. It's always going to be stressful to put something out there and make an ask for the first time. But what you can get away from is just this hyper compressed 
workload where people are like, we're going to coordinate 40 people to mail on our thing. And I have to create like 10 pages and I need to create another 10 videos that need to go before the product and the product isn't even done. And then I got to write this sales page and the sales page isn't done until two days before the thing is going live. There's just this workload that is always underestimated and always gets done last minute and there's a gazillion fires. And I'm saying that part is not necessary. You can get away from that part and make your life a little easier. At the beginning, you said no launch, right? No launch is necessary. Yes, launches are okay, but no launches are not necessary, right? So Mm -hmm. what's the alternative? What do you do instead? So the first time you're putting your thing out there, you're technically launching it. Now, the question you're asking is, what's the alternative to doing that all the time? You got to start from the assumption that most people don't buy now, right? If you look at the data of your buyers coming in and you calculate a number that I call time to conversion, which is the time difference between when they entered your database as a lead and when they purchased, the numbers tend to shock my clients. We're not talking about matter of days. We're talking about months, if not years, right? And so then you have to ask, well, why did it take this person months or years to purchase? The way I look at it is there's like five buy now triggers that have to line up for the person to make a decision that they're going to buy. Number one, they have to have the money. If they don't have the money, they're not going to say yes, right? Number two, they have to have a bleeding neck, meaning that the problem is on their radar and they're looking to solve it because they have a need to purchase this thing. And it's a need that they see as necessary, right? You can put a deadline, but if it's not urgent for the person or if it's not even on their radar, they're not going to come through, right? Mm -hmm. Number three, they have to believe you're the person to do the job for them and that you have a unique way of doing things that is best suited for them. Number four, they have to have the ability to say yes. Like if you're talking to mid-level managers, your only objective is to move up the decision chain because that person cannot say yes. They can say yes that I want your thing, but they can't make the purchase. Only a person who can make the purchase or who has the ability to say yes can make the purchase. And you have to be there when they are ready to make that decision. And the fifth thing is what you're selling has to match their overall life plans, right? I was nomadic for like four years and I fell in love with a product called the Purple Mattress. I had the money. I had an urgent need. I was the decision maker, but I was on the road. Like, what the hell am I going to do with a king-size mattress? <laughs> it doesn't matter what Purple did with promotions, with advertising, with launches. I was not going to buy until what mm-hmm. they were selling matched my overall life plans. As soon as I came off the road and I got my own place, one of the first purchases I made was the Purple Mattress because it was sold on them and what they were selling matched my plans. If we're starting from that assumption, then you have to continuously be building the case that you are the right person, that you are capable of getting the results, that you will get the results, and that you were uniquely suited to help a certain segment of the market. And you need to be making that case all year round And you need to be there so that when the time is right for them, there's an opportunity and there's an avenue for that person to come into your business and to get started. And then you also need to be asking regularly, right? We can just ask consistently, like once a month in a low friction way, while also not burning the audience out. We're just looking to find the people in our audience who are thinking about solving the problem this month right? That's a far more effective strategy I have found for the clients that I'm running. How did you come to the strategy? And how did you come to the sense of your business blowing up from it? What's your story from engineer to here? As an engineer, like 
come from a family of engineers. Like my dad's a computer engineer. My uncle's an engineer. My four male cousins are engineers. My two grandfathers are engineers. So lots of engineering. So I got the math brain. I was told, yeah, you should probably be an engineer. That'd be good for you. So did engineering, didn't really like it, but stuck with it. Developed the systems thinking, developed the way to pull apart and analyze a problem. Once I shifted into marketing and copywriting, I was just on fire for it because I have a creative side to me that wasn't really being fulfilled with the engineering. With marketing, you get both of those. There's so much data in marketing. And I was just very curious, like, what makes this marketing system work? That's the engineer in you. That's the engineer in me, right? It was a mentor of mine, a guy called Dean Jackson. He talked about how most people don't buy now, most people buy later, right? And he presented this old lead inquiry study. And what they found was after about two years, 50% of the leads had not made a purchase, but 50% had. So then the question was, when did they purchase? So out of the buyers, what they found was if you split the time frames into like three months and earlier, and then three months out to two years, 15% of the buyers purchased in the first three months, whereas 85% of the buyers purchased from three months out to two years. So the vast majority of the buyers were coming from leads that were three months or older. And I was like, is this true? Because everything I had seen in the online mainstream marketing narrative up to that point was like, no, you generate leads and you stick them through this evergreen funnel and you make them buy in like 14 days. And if they don't buy, they're never going to buy. So ditch them, delete them, move them out your list. Thank you for saying that. I was just telling my students the other day, there are people that will make you create an opt-in freebie and get people into a funnel and then make this hardcore offer. And then that's kind of it. But it's so much more about building relationship and gauging and all that kind of stuff. A hundred percent. But that's like the standard model that's taught. And then it's like, oh yeah, if they don't buy, then forget them. And then the other model is the launch. You run the big campaign and then the people buy or people don't buy. If they didn't buy from the launch, they're not interested. Like, look at everything we did. We went to town. If someone was going to buy, they would have bought, right? But that's not true, like, at all. Mm -hmm. Right? And I would look in my client's data. I would look in my own data. And I'm like, this is mad. I had a client who had been marketing for, like, five plus years with his email list. And the average person was on his list for, like, 18 months before coming in. I realized, okay, well, if that's the reality of how most purchases are making, then how would we design a system that optimized for sales over the long term? What's the sustainable way to consistently build the case that you're the right fit and constantly be showing people into your front door while giving them opportunities and good reasons to get started without blowing up their inbox with heavy-handed launch tactics? So it sounds like people who are new to marketing, most of what they've heard is the prevalent launch-based model. So A, there's a lot of unlearning to do there. What is the process that you would recommend for someone who's like, okay, all I've ever known is this idea of launches because that's all I've ever seen. How would they get started? Yeah. So two exercises. If you've already launched, meaning you've got a product, people have converted into it. If you've done it more than once, I would say, look at your time to conversion numbers, right? Let's pull up your client database Let's get the date they purchased from you and let's get the date that they opted into your world. Let's look at the difference between those. And then just, let's just look at the numbers. 
How many people came in within a month of being on your list? How many people came in within three months, within six months? What's the average, right? Because that will give you a sense of understanding, well, how long are people in my world before I make a purchase? The second thing I would get you to do is look up Dean Jackson's nine-word email, which is a really simple email marketing technique. You just send an email to your email list saying, Hey, Ari, are you still interested in building an online course? Or, hey, Ari, are you still looking to buy a house? That's it. Mm -hmm. Send that out to the email list and see what comes back. And what you'll notice is there's a lot of people who come back and say, actually, yes, I am. Or, oh, that's interesting. Like, what have you, are you doing something? Like, they will engage Uh with that email Uh because they're wondering what you're up to related to the thing that they're still interested in doing. Uh 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 Right? And that will give you a sense that like, hang on a second, like there's people interested in buying right now. And then the third thing I would definitely do is just make sure that you are mailing regularly and you're not just like sending content, right? Like my understanding, a lot of people understanding nurturing is like, oh, I'm going to send them content to like keep them warm for the next thing. You want to be building the case all the time that your thing is awesome, right? Mm -hmm. You want to be selling in every email, not necessarily like go buy my thing, but you want to be selling your, your approach, selling your reputation, selling your ability to get results, but doing that in a way where you're adding value to them, right? There's a great term. One of my friends, Margot Aaron, amazing marketer, she calls it inbox booty calling where people only mail <laughs> when they want something out of their list, right? It's like, hey, you ready to buy? <laughs> right and that's not that's not how you want to be running your i got exactly for you. right yeah. <laughs> you don't want to be an inbox booty caller but if you mail regularly you will have people bond to you and you'll put yourself in pole position for when they are ready and then people will start coming to you saying hey i'm looking for help on this thing can i get some help Mm-hmm. Those are the three first steps I tend to get everyone leaning into so that you can see the opportunity. And then even if you're not ready to fully transition away from the launch model, you can continue to build the relationship and the case that you're the right option with your audience. So the next time you do a launch or even a small campaign, you'll get a much bigger mm-hmm. response because you've done some of the heavy lifting outside of the two or four week window of your massive campaign. And I would guess that would also mean that you might be getting revenues actually trickling in throughout the year and not just in two big chunks or four big chunks a year. Exactly. And that's one of the big pain points for a lot of people with the launch model is the revenue unpredictability. We've all been there where we thought it was going to be awesome and it was horrible. And then we've done this weird thing that we didn't think would work at all. And it was amazing. Like there's way more factors outside your control than we'd like to admit. Which is why then the unpredictable amount coming in is an issue. So all of what you just talked about was for people who have done launches already. So what about for people who have never done a launch? Would you say the same steps apply? I do recommend that people launch when you're starting because there's a lot of benefits to it, right? Like you get your sales page up, there's a deadline, and then you have to complete that product like There's a lot of benefits to launching off the bat. Plus, you can build your list as part of it. I mean, it sounds like what you're advocating for, especially for people who are starting out from scratch, brand new business, 
is a bit of a combination. You know, you still want to have that coming out party just because otherwise no one will hear about it. And it gives you a deadline. But then keep the communication on. Keep talking to people. Keep learning from people. Like actually have those conversations, whether it's email or DMs or phone calls. And what can people expect from this? Because I can see people going into this, doing the ongoing weekly communication with their audience for a few months, not seeing certain results, and then stopping. And I'm assuming that's also where people often get stuck in this process. It's not about how many you convert in any moment. It's how many you convert over a 12 to 24 month period. So let's talk. Without a doubt, the most memorable three words from our conversation with Ross were definitely inbox booty call. Remember, that describes when people only email their audience when they want to sell them something. Oh my goodness, you want to avoid those. (laughs) Those might have been the most memorable words, but overall, I think Ross's message is a really important one that's helpful to many, many people who either don't have the team and or resources to pull off big launches or just don't want to. In a nutshell, don't. You can find a way to promote your business and services that can work just as well. Thank you to Ross for that enjoyable tidbit of brilliance. And be sure to download Ross's gift to you, the book Open Every Day, Break Free of the Launch Cycle with a Simple System that Makes Sales Every Day. You can get your copy of it at blowingup.rocks forward slash Ross. That's blowingup.rocks forward slash Ross, R-O-S-S. This episode of Blowing Up was produced by Linda Claire Puig. Cynthia Lamb is our managing producer and Danny Eney, our executive producer. Post-production by Post Office Sound. To make sure you catch all the really great episodes of Blowing Up, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you like the show, we'd love it if you could leave us a starred review or share the show with a friend. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. I certainly am willing to admit what I don't know. I tend to hold my truths lightly. I try not to have, you know, very firm convictions because I recognize that when you move up an organization, your information is limited because you have a greater breadth of responsibility. I'm Sharon Richmond. I'm an executive coach and consultant with more than 30 years experience working with C-level executives. To Lead as Human is the podcast for you if you want to supercharge your leadership by bringing all of yourself into your role. Listen as our guests reveal their hard-won lessons and share their deep humanity. 
I think the turning point for me was when I realized that I want people to tell me what they think and they're afraid. They were honest to God, afraid to tell me things. It's like, I checked all the damn boxes, but I am so alone and I'm so unhappy. I'm burning myself out. And when I started looking at like, you know, my fears going into the shadows, sharing it with others, the very thing that would be a nightmare for most people in the workplace is the very thing that led me to my dreams. My guests know that the influence they have as top leaders comes with an equal measure of responsibility for all their stakeholders. They not only deliver great results for their customers and investors, they do so by building organizations that provide purpose, meaning, and a healthy work environment for their employees. One of the hallmarks of good leadership is clarity. If there isn't clarity around the goals, that creates confusion, that that creates chaos. What's the end goal? What are we trying to achieve? And that makes people's jobs more purposeful. And people are clearly enjoying that. People who are making their own decisions, they're significantly more motivated in doing what they're doing. Yeah, I've really seen the maturity and growth of those individuals. And I think that we've now kind of really been able to create a lot of autonomy and give people a lot of freedom to do their best work. So not rocket science, nothing too crazy, but... uh, You know, that was definitely a journey. I hope you'll join us every other week as we talk with these inspiring leaders and learn from the very human challenges and successes they've experienced on their own leadership journeys. And you asked me questions that I was like, gosh, I'm not sure I know what my values are. So I know they're there, but I'm not sure that they're articulated. So thanks for asking me those questions. They were hard.